Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. This is the last week when we are looking at uh, foundations. And uh, so after this, we've got a visiting speaker next week, Bill Wilson, who's um, pastor or vicar of St. Stephen's, isn't it, in Stockwell? And uh, he's coming to speak to us next week. And we'll sort of kick off a Christmas series for two or three weeks. And so this is the last of this quite um, extended series that we've done, just looking at, if you like, what makes up the DNA of, of this church, of Beacon Church. And quite a lot of that has come from um, prophetic words spoken over the church over some years. And it's very helpful when you have those. And it's been helpful for us to revisit those that Owen sent me through just a, a, a long document which just has all these prophetic words right from when this church was first birthed uh, 10 years ago, getting on for 11 now, uh, from another church in, in southeast London. And there were prophetic words right back from before this church was planted. And then there have been other prophetic words since. And the vast majority of them have actually come from people who are not connected with the church. And that also sometimes helps, you know, when you think, gosh, this is someone who doesn't know anything about us. And yet they've brought this, this word from God that just helps to unpack how he sees this church, what his intentions are. For this church. And uh, the Bible talks to us about prophecy. It says it's something we should eagerly desire. And it says it's something that we shouldn't despise. And uh, so that's something that we have to be careful of. You read some of these prophetic words and you think, gosh, we don't, it doesn't feel like we're anything near this, some of it. But you have to be careful not to despise the prophetic. And to remember that what God sees is not what we see. And God tells us not to despise the prophetic and he also tells us not to despise the day of small beginnings, it says in the Bible. And so it's been interesting for us just to revisit some of this stuff. And the last one we, we, we want to look at today comes directly from a prophetic word from a guy called Julian Adams who has a particular gift in bringing God's word to people and to churches. And he came and visited us in 2009 and uh, had a number of prophetic words for individuals in the church uh, and also one for the church as a whole. And uh, it's this part, as part of one of these prophecies he had for the church as a whole that I just want us to refer to to start off with. And he said... I even see Macedonian calls from other churches for Beacon to help them, to shape them. God says, don't despise that which is currently small, as the kingdom is often designed to be concealed in that which is small, but then eventually becomes big and influential. So we're going to look at this thing called a Macedonian call on earth. What on earth is a Macedonian call? So we're going to look at what the origin of that phrase and that term is and where it comes from in the Bible. And then we're going to look a little bit at how that might be applicable to us, where we currently stand as a church, and perhaps pray into 
what God wants it to become for us in the future. So, what is a Macedonian call? Well, it's all to do with uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, and the story of the Apostle Paul on one of his missionary journeys. And so we're going to read together from uh, chapter 16 of the book of Acts that begins to recount um, Paul's second missionary journey. He went on four missionary journeys. He was quite an amazing guy. Over about 11 years, Paul travelled over 10,000 miles. And when you consider, obviously, that this was all on foot or horseback or donkey or whatever... And just to give that some perspective, it's, it's 9,000 miles from London to Perth in Australia, okay? So Paul did an extra 1,000 on top of that over 11 years. It was, it was quite amazing, the amount of travel that he did. And uh, this chapter picks up as his second journey. He's completed his first one. And in his first journey, he went with uh, one of the other disciples, a guy called Barnabas, and they visited a number of places in the region that would now be um, southern Turkey and, in, and Syria. And they planted a church in Syria. They then travelled into southern Turkey, planted a, a number of churches in that region, and then came back via Cyprus and planted a church there as well. And having done that, they go back to Jerusalem, which is where everything started in the first place, and they go back and they meet what, who we might call the church fathers, which would be James and the other apostles who are still in Jerusalem. They report back to them the amazing story that this gospel about Jesus Christ is now, is now opening up to non-Jews. It's opening up to Gentiles. And uh, the, the, the church fathers writes, write a letter to these Gentile churches. And, and Paul and Barnabas are going to take this letter and go back to the churches that they've already established and they're going to strengthen them. That's the plan for this second missionary journey. They're basically going to retrace their steps. They're going to go back and visit these churches they've already been to to strengthen them. They're going to read the letter from the church fathers back in Jerusalem just to give them some guidance and some encouragement. And then after that, well, who knows? But that's the plan. And that's where we pick up the story and we pick it up at chapter 16 and and verse 1. Now Paul has just, unfortunately, they had a disagreement with Barnabas and they've gone their separate ways. And Paul now is looking for someone else to accompany him and uh, he selects this young man called Timothy. So Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So they're going to read this letter out to them. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. It was a very fruitful visit to the churches that they'd already planted, that Paul had already planted. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia to help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And uh, we ask uh, now, Father, that during these next moments we have together, you would speak to us, you would engage us, you would open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, if there is anything that you would do in individuals, I pray that you would lovingly, sensitively and gently do that. And uh, that you will help us to be obedient followers of the Lord Jesus. And these things we ask in his name and for your glory. Amen. So we're going to just uh, have a look at a map which just shows where Paul went and um, might just help us to get our, our heads around how significant some of what this, some of the significance of what happened. So uh, Paul is going to see if I can make this thing work. I wonder if this will work. Yes, look at that. So there's a little red dot. Can you see it? Okay, there we go. Nice. Okay. We have, we have the technology. So Paul is starting off here from Antioch, and he's retracing his steps to some of the churches that he's already planted. So that, that little dotted red line there, oh, that's better, thanks, shows uh, some of his first journey, his first missionary journey through you know, Cyprus, around this area here, which is now in Uh, southern Turkey, and then he goes back again uh, to Antioch and finally back down to Jerusalem again. Well, he starts off in Jerusalem, he comes up to Antioch here, and at this point here, they're then moving in to visit these other churches to strengthen them and to give advice, and uh, that's the plan. And uh, so he moves through these churches here, and then the plan then is when he gets here, he wants to go into this region here, which is called Asia. Now, sometimes we get confused about that. We think that that's the current day Asia. Well, it's not the current day Asia, as is quite ob- obvious from this. Asia was a, a, a Roman province. It was a, a province of the, of the Roman Empire. And Paul is wanting to go into Asia and plant churches there. But the Bible doesn't sort of quite tell us how this came about, but it says that the Holy Spirit forbade him from doing that. I read that and you think, oh, okay, isn't it wonderful to be led by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, to be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit so much that you can sense when he is forbidding you to go somewhere, to be so open that whether it's a circumstance or whether it's a word that somebody brings or whether it is a spiritual sense that you have that you are being led by the Holy Spirit, don't we want that for our lives and for our church? 
and and Paul then is forbidden to go into Asia. So, so then his choice is to go into Bithynia, up here. Uh, but it says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow him to go into Bithynia. It's interesting, isn't it? So, so Paul has had his strategy. Now there's nothing wrong with strategy, but the thing about strategy is we have to be prepared for God to overturn it sometimes. And Paul was clearly willing for God to overturn his strategy. Do you know there's something else, though, about his followers? Because I I found this incredibly encouraging, just reading about how God overturned a major Christian leader's strategy. Because, you know, sometimes when we're in church life, we think, oh, we thought we were going this way, and the church leaders seem to be thinking we're going that way, Oh, but that door suddenly seems to close. We're not going to go that way anymore. Gosh, do these leaders know what they're doing? Can I still have confidence in them? Can I still trust them? Well, the, the answer to that is that sometimes as church, in church life and as church leaders, the answer to do you know where you're going and what you're doing is no. Because we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so strategy is good. And when we don't have anything else, then strategy is probably quite a good thing to have. But we also need to be prepared in church life and as individuals for God to sovereignly overturn our best strategies and plans. Are you prepared for him to do that in your life? Yeah, but I've got life mapped out. You know, I've got my five-year plan, I think. Would you motor on into Bithynia anyway? Are you prepared for God to overturn your plans? And, and, you know, we might look at this and think, the thing is, you know, it seems such a great idea. These are un, this is a massively unreached area with the gospel. Does God not love Asia and Bithynia? Why would he say, don't go there? If you read the first letter that Peter writes, do you know who Peter writes to? To the churches or to the Christians in Asia and Bithynia. So clearly, God did organise instrumentally men and women to go into those regions and bring the gospel. He didn't intend Paul to do it, but he did still love Asia and Bithynia. And he still brought about the gospel coming to that area and to this area here. And, you know, that's also encouraging for us because sometimes we are overwhelmed by the sense of need. Yeah, but, but God, why? You know, we, so, so you want me to walk through this area here in between these two regions but not get involved in the huge amount of need that exists here for the gospel to come. Surely, God, if this is on my doorstep, then this is what I should be doing. Well, do you know what? Not always. And do you know that's also encouraging and releasing for us? Because sometimes we can think, oh God, but but there's this and there's this. There's this I could get involved in. There's this 
area of good work. There's the, the gospel. That I could go to that country. There's that. Oh, and then there's that person who just inspired me talking about reaching that nation there. I could go there. But you know what? God has a way and a plan and a purpose that's individual to you and to each church. And it's important that we are open to him leading us into those. And sometimes that means he will lead us right past other things that are still worthy and still good causes, but are not the thing that he's calling us to do. There's that lovely story right at the end of John's Gospel where Jesus reconciles himself to Peter, who has denied him. And Peter at one point looks back and sees John walking in the distance behind him. And Jesus has just told Peter some stuff that he wants him to do. And Peter looks back and says, but what about him? What about John? And Jesus says to Peter, that's my business in effect. Mind your own business. You do what I've called you to do. Don't worry about him. You worry about what I'm calling you to do. Do you know what that can be so helpful for us? When there are a myriad potential calls on our time and energy and resource as individual Christians and as a church, to know that God has something specific for us. And there are so many things we could get involved in. And you know, sometimes that's where churches can fall into a little bit of a stumbling block or fall over a stumbling block because there are just so many good causes you could get involved in and you end up spreading yourself thinly and actually not doing the very thing that God has equipped and called you to do. And so it's releasing for us to know that actually what we want is the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our own lives and in the life of this church. It's not good ideas, it's not strategies. That's why, for example, we won't necessarily invite or allow every Christian charity that would like to come on a Sunday morning and do a presentation to you to come. And believe me, we get requests, don't we? Could we just come and do a 10-minute slot on this, that or the other? Um, no. <laughs> Not because those aren't good and worthwhile things to do. But actually, we have to follow the vision and the call that God has given us to do. And that's releasing for us. So... He doesn't go into Asia, he doesn't go into Bithynia, but then there is, uh, there is this moment, I guess, where there's no, they have no idea, therefore, what they are going to do. Are they going to just go back? Are they going to retrace their steps? And we're not told how they know that they've got to make this journey to Troas. But somehow, once again, in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I guess, they then make this 400-mile journey to Troas on the coast not quite knowing why they're going. And you know what? Sometimes church life can be a bit like that too. Well, we're just doing the stuff. No, we do you know what? Well, we don't know. We just sense this is the right way to go. We've just, we've just got to do it. This is what God seems to have laid before us. Yeah, I know God's laid that before you, but, but what about Asia and Bithynia? Come on. Well, no, God doesn't seem to be opening the door to us there he's just laid this before us we've just got to take the route you know what we've got to take the route and we don't know what's going to come at the end of it but this seems to be the way God's leading so they go to Troas they make that journey all the way to Troas and it's so interesting when you read the account the biblical account because 
it's not until they get to Troas, it's not until they've made this 400-mile journey, it's at that moment when Paul then is given a vision by God of the Macedonian call. So they didn't have the Macedonian call when they were back there, which would make it logical to go to Troas. No, 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 they, they, God didn't tell them until they got there. They just had to walk by faith. Don't the Bible talks about that? We walk by faith and not by sight some of the time. Okay? Sometimes that will happen in your life. You will be walking by faith and not by sight. Oh, I think this is, I'm, t- I'm talking to other people, they seem to say yes, and, but, but where's it leading? Well, I don't really know. Oh, where's your five-year plan? Well, I'm not sure. But, but what's, your, what's your end game strategy? Yeah, I'm not sure about that really either. And yeah, yeah, but what about the stri- What about the excellence? What about the this? What about the that? Well, I don't know. I just feel that God said this way. This is the way. What does God say sometimes? He says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Yeah, but where's it going, Lord? Yeah, no, no, no. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Okay, God can walk in it. And when they get to Troas, it's, it's revealed why they're there. Because actually, oh, what a good place to be. If you have a call to go to Macedonia, look, just got to pop across the water. It's not easy. Okay, so now we're ready. Okay, God brings them to Troas. At this moment, they then get the Macedonian call to go and help. And they travel over to Macedonia. And actually, isn't it interesting? You look at where they go. They go to Berea. They go to Thessalonica. They plant churches in all these places. They go to Philippi. And of course, some of our most precious books in the New Testament are Paul's letters to the churches that he establishes in Philippi and Thessalonica and finally down into Corinth here. And then from there over to Ephesus. And so we get the book of Ephesians. So half of the New Testament is actually written because they didn't go into Bithynia and Asia. (laughs) Really? Oh, God knew what he was doing. When God didn't allow them to go into Asia and Bithynia, God knew what he was doing. God always knows what he is doing. And sometimes he will not choose to reveal that to us until he is ready. And what do we do in the meantime? Well, this is the way. Walk ye in it. We walk by faith. And those other disciples who were with Paul, do you know what? I wonder whether there were moments when they questioned this, this great leader who seemed to not quite know where he was going. He thought he was going that way, and then it's forbidden, and he thought he was going that way, and it's the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow it, whatever that means. And, and then he's going to Troas, but we've no idea why. But actually, do you know, one of the things that I really picked up as I read this passage was that they were just with Paul. They sensed that he was God's man. So do you know what? We're just going to go with you. We're going to go with you, even though it might not be quite clear. We're going to continue to go with you. You wanted to take us into Bithynia. It says you actually wanted to go. We tried. The passage says we tried to go in. You tried to take us in there, but well, obviously it wasn't God's will. Are you hearing from God, Paul, at the moment? You don't get any sense of that when you read the passage. Because actually they were just with him. And it's a good job they were with him because do you know what God had said about Paul? God had said over Paul, he's my chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Right, okay. So if he's your chosen instrument, then we'll, we'll follow him. There's a wonderful picture here about just going with your leaders, going with it. 
If you trust them, if you sense God's call on them, you go with it. So what about our Macedonian call? And uh, I'm not going to spend very long on this because then we're going to pray a bit. So that's where the whole, the whole background to what a Macedonian call is comes from. And it's about us being called to something wider that's just beyond just our own local situation. And we might say, well, how is that possible for a church like us? We're so small. You know, surely if you've just got grand ideas that are a bit beyond your station, you're, in a, you're only small, and already you're thinking about going out there and being called to other places, you know, get over yourselves. Sort yourself out first. But it's interesting, isn't it, that, that prophetic word that Julian Adams had, had also had that little passage that said, don't despise that which is currently small. The kingdom is often designed to be concealed in that which is small, but then eventually becomes big and influential. So, here are a couple of other things that he said, and then I want us to move on to looking at what, at what it might mean for us. Julian Adams also brought this word about Beacon being an apostolic base that will resource many other places. And he said again, so it's interesting, he says this twice in this prophetic word he brought to the church. Don't despise these days of small beginnings. He says it twice. Because I'm building something much bigger and much larger than you anticipate. So what's our Macedonian call? Where are we at the moment as a church with our Macedonian call, this call on the church to be more than just about a local church, but, but to have this sense that maybe there's impact and there's influence that God wants to bring from within this church to help spread the gospel elsewhere? Well, some of that we are already doing. And to an extent, these things are already happening. One of the main ways it probably happens is our release of Owen. And uh, what you may or may not know is that many churches seek him out uh, for advice and for support. And so you'll know that, you will know that he and Pauline have gone to a number of churches and run their church weekends away. He, they've run parenting courses and marriage courses and that sort of thing. And he's getting drawn into other things as well, like New Day, and we release him for that. And that's been happening actually for, for some time. And if you talk to Owen, he will often use this term that actually we, we punch beyond our weight for a small church in terms of our impact and involvement in, in the wider church, if you like. And uh, our dear Ben, uh, when we used to meet as elders, one of the things that Ben used to say when we talked about should we release Owen for this or for that, and Ben used to say, well, we must release him for what he is uniquely gifted for. And that helped us because, although you may not know it, because he won't talk particularly very much about it, he could be out and about involved in all sorts of things for most of his week, uh, other than just being involved in our church. But I rather like that story of Paul and the Holy Spirit forbidding him to go into Bithynia and, and into Asia, though both of those things would, might have been good things to do. The Holy Spirit had other ideas for Paul, and we have grappled to find out, okay, what's the Holy Spirit saying about what we should and what we shouldn't release Owen for? And so we've been careful about that. And, uh, 
And Ben, has, ben always helped us on that. When we had another request, we would look at it and say, OK, is this something that you are uniquely gifted for? Or is this something that's just, you know, someone else could do? And so we've looked at the things for which he has a unique gift. And so already, if you like, there is a Macedonian call that is already happening for our church. And, of course, because Owen gets involved in other things, he draws some of us into that too. And so, so some of us are being drawn into that too. And I think that's likely to increase as we continue our involvement in New Day and with the churches that organise New Day, and also as we begin to get involved in this family of churches called New Ground. I think... Uh, regions Beyond, sorry. Oh, my goodness. No. It's, it's New Ground, another one, isn't it? Yeah, no, we're not getting involved in New Grounds. No, no, that, that's another one. Okay. That's a Bithynia. We're not going into that one. Okay, we're going into the, we're going into the Troas of New Ground. Um, as we get involved in New Ground, I think those opportunities are likely to, to increase regions beyond. Just have this here, so, so it says regions beyond. Okay, regions beyond. As we go into regions beyond. Oh, dear. Okay. Those opportunities, I'm sure there are opportunities in New Ground. You know, there are but particularly the opportunities in regions beyond as they open up to us. Uh, there's going to be more opportunities for us, I'm sure, to, to, to respond to that sense of Macedonian call. And do you know what? That might include some of you. And I want to finish with this before we pray. As I prepared this, I felt there were three short phrases that came to my mind. Step up, step in, and step out. Step up, step in, step out. And I felt as I prepared this that for us as a church, there will be moments when we are going to be called to step in a bit more. And we've been probably used to just running things our own way a bit, haven't we? We've been pretty independent. We've always sought advice from elsewhere and you know that we've always sought to have some form of what we would call apostolic covering but we haven't really been relating to another group of churches and relating closely to that sense of apostolic, apostolic prophetic support and covering and input and this seems to be a time when God may be calling us to step in to that and that will have implications for some of you God may be calling you to step in a bit more Perhaps you've been slightly distanced and on the edge. You know, so it's a luxurious position to be on, on the edge, isn't it? Because you can just choose whether to step in or step out, just on the edge of it. God's calling some of us to step in. I think he's also calling us, some of us, and he's calling us as a church possibly to step up. What that might mean is that you're going to step up in terms of the amount of commitment that you have or what you bring or into a different position to act in a different role or position within the church. God's calling some of you to step up. And he may be calling us as a church to begin to step up. And finally, step out. I think there's a season coming where God is going to encourage us to step out to step out of our comfort zones, to step out of the four walls of this building that feel very safe, don't they, actually? You know, we're just, we're just here. We, just, we stay here. This is, this is our patch, okay? 
And God may be calling us to begin to step out. And he may be calling some of you to step out. Talk about the comfort zone a lot, don't we? Do you know what? God may be calling you to step out of the comfortable and to step out of the safe. He may be calling us to step in, to step up, and to step out. And we must be open for that. And the last thing is this passage from Corinthians that says this. Paul writes to that last church that he gets to in Macedonia, which is Corinth. He goes all the way down to the bottom of Greece and visits Corinth. And in his second letter to the church in Corinth, he says this, our hope, so Paul's hope, is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. There you go, that'll help me to remember regions beyond. In the regions beyond you. And we also have to be prepared, you know what? That other's sphere of influence into us, we may need to be open to that so that the gospel can go beyond us. And we become a platform for it to go not just into Brixton, but into other places too. So we're going to pray. Thanks, Phil. Um, uh, what we've done just the last uh, couple of weeks, and, and I love the fact that on this Foundations um, series that we, um, we land much of it in prayer. That's often where God speaks. That was very good advice given to us early on as, a, uh, as an eldership. Um, when you have something, bring it to the people and pray. So, so that's what we want to do again today. So uh, I'd invite us all to stand. I think Garth knows what to do with the music at the back. And uh, what we're going to pray for, and knowing Bill, he'll type these up, so I'll try and make them. Um, uh, so, so we want to pray for, um, if you like, the, just the, the prophetic call upon our church. Because uh, there definitely is something. Um, um, not only do, are there requests, say, for me, there are requests... Why people want to do this, you can ask them, but people want to come and, and look at some of the little things that we do. They want to come. And so um, I want us just to pray, um, just really we're asking God if, uh, that we would be open to that, really, and that he would make clear what he wants us to do in those kinds of things, in the, in the sort of apostolic call that there might be. Um, but I think it's also good to pray uh, for ourselves as we pray and and Phil just really unpacked and unpicked the work of the Holy Spirit in guiding you and are you willing to listen and are you willing to change the plan uh, are you willing to follow uh, how he would lead so so again I want us just to pray into that and it might be that you have specific things that you're praying for for your own life, specific areas of guidance. Maybe you're saying, God, we need you to speak. If, you're, if we're going to go there, we sense this, but have you opened that door to us or have you closed it? And how open are we to that? So, so I want us just to spend a few moments praying. Uh, just together, we'll all just pray out about the church, about the apostolic call, about that sense of guidance. Um, and then uh, what I'd love us to do, and uh, we'll, we'll do this uh, in a bit, is we'll, we'll do that for maybe five, ten minutes. Then, 
then really, if you want prayer, this is what I felt this morning, if you want prayer for any of those things, or if you want prayer maybe for healing or something, if you want prayer, then we'll, we'll have a song and I'll just invite you to come forward and we'll pray for you. So that's where we're going to go and we'll be done by quarter past 12, I promise. Okay, so why don't we just begin to lift our voices? Why don't you just begin to thank God uh, sovereignly that he's placed you where he's placed you. He's, he's brought you to this church, that he's, uh, he's, he's working in your life. Why don't you just begin to lift your voice and thank him for that? And I'm sure Bill, yes, as I knew Bill would, he's got things uh, up there. So can we just lift our voices? We know how to do this. Let's just begin to pray together. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.